All right. So we have made it to Matthew chapter 7 in our verse-by-verse study of the Sermon on the Mount. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. If you're using the Bible under the seat in front of you, you'll find that on page 1,118. Matthew chapter 7. This is such an important passage for the health of the Christian church and the Christian community. So important that we understand this passage. And just a heads up, there are a lot of people that misquote and misuse what we're about to read. So it's important that we find the balance and let's ask the Lord to help us. Lord, we ask for your teaching, your leading, your truth in the balance that you want it. And Lord, I pray that every one of us as Christians would truly seek to promote healthy relationships. Solid relationships, Lord. And we'd be those who help one another rather than break one another down. So bless this time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been guilty of making blanket assumptions about certain people, stereotyping, thinking all homeless people are lazy? All politicians are dishonest. All teenagers are irresponsible. All parents are out of touch. All lawyers are crooks. All rich people are materialistic. You ever done that? You know, it seems that we are always being evaluated and measured, sized up by people. And let's face it, we do the same with other people. And too often, we think we know the truth about someone when we don't know the full story. We don't know the facts. And we make these judgments upon one another. It's wrong. And it's certainly wrong within the context of the church and your interaction with your brothers and sisters in Christ in the kingdom of God. So notice what Jesus says about such things. In verse 1, he says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. 
So Jesus very clearly in verse 1 says, judge not. Do not judge others. Now it's important to understand what Jesus means by that. And let's understand first what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not forbidding law court systems with prosecutors, defendants, and judges, and juries, like Tolstoy believed. It's not saying that we can't be a part of the court system or be involved in lawsuits like that. God has given authority to the state entity for matters like that. Jesus is speaking in terms of everyday interpersonal relationships. The way you deal with people on a day Today basis. And let's be clear, within that context, Jesus is not telling us to abandon our critical thinking. He's not telling us that we should not use our ability to discern between good and evil, right and wrong. Jesus is not saying that we should ignore the sins and faults and failures of other people. Just put your head in the sand, turn a blind eye, let people do whatever they want. He's not telling us to do that. And that's the misinterpretation that many people have. There are a lot of Christians that think Jesus is saying that we're to blindly accept all people, all lifestyles, all beliefs, all choices, whatever, man. Judge not. And so a couple that calls themselves a Christian couple might be living together outside of marriage. And they're living in sin. And you call them out on it and they might say, judge not, man, lest you be judged. Or some person who calls himself a Christian and is out partying and living a life of revelry and you confront them on it. Judge not, man, lest you be judged. Or maybe an employee at work who claims to be a Christian and he's lazy and he's irresponsible. And you call him out on that and they say, hey, man, judge not. No, there are moral absolutes in the written word of God. And on matters of sinful activities, sinful choices, false belief systems, the word of God has already rendered judgment. And as Christians, we need to hold one another accountable. There are rights and wrongs. We should also use our critical judgment when it comes to false teaching. Our standard is the word of God. And if somebody comes around teaching something different, we don't just go, oh, that's really nice. Great. We just. No. You speak up. We are not called to blindly accept all things, all lifestyles, all choices, all beliefs. That is not what Jesus is forbidding here. In fact, verse 6 is pretty heavy. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine. That requires discernment. Who are the people acting like pigs or dogs? Verse 15 and 16, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. you got to inspect. The false teacher doesn't come into the church with a sign that says, Hi, I'm your friendly neighborhood false teacher. 
So in our current culture and society, the ideal Christian is supposed to be an undiscerning, flabby, indulgent, all-accepting jellyfish who lives out the misinterpretation of judge not. That is not what Jesus is saying here. What is Jesus forbidding? Harsh, negative, destructive judgment. Running around condemning people. In fact, the the Greek word translated judge is krino. It could also be translated throughout the New Testament, condemn. Jesus said, condemn not. Don't be a harsh critic. Don't run around condemning all these different people in your life. When you, when you criticize, when, when, when you're called to judge, it should be done with generosity, with grace, with love, with an intention to restore. Not to beat up. Yeah, I don't judge like that. I think Jesus is forbidding also the hypercritical, fault-finding judgment that some Christians... I mean, there's some people that are always looking around snooping for sin. I call them the sin sniffers in the church. They're sniffing out everybody's sin. And they're, they're delighted to go find, you know, what everybody's doing wrong. One person said, too many Christians think they're the soul patrol. They consider it their job to cruise the church looking for violators of God's law. It's their ministry to write tickets, issue warnings, set standards, determine all the spiritual haves from the have-nots. Yeah, you don't be that way. I think Jesus is forbidding judgment from an arrogant, self-righteous, superior attitude, judging people as if you're God sitting on the throne and all the people in your life answer to you so you can condemn them. Judging people as if you really know what's in their hearts, which you don't. Judging people as if you really know the full story, which you don't. Judging people as if you don't have any struggles of your own. Don't judge like that. You know, here Jesus is rebuking the religious establishment of his day. So much in the Sermon on the Mount is rebuking the Pharisees and the scribes. And, and that's what they were like. They, they, in their self-righteous arrogance and in their religious robes and walking around in their piety, they would look down on other people and judge them. Like that Pharisee who stood in the temple and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men extortioners and just adulterers or even as this tax collector Jesus is forbidding that you sort of sum it all up together and I would say Jesus is forbidding the harsh hypercritical destructive fault-finding condemnation of other people from a position of arrogance self-righteousness and superiority And I will tell you, it's so ugly 
when people are like that. And it has caused so much chaos and havoc in churches. Because a lot of that happens behind the back. As we criticize, look down on one another and talk about people. It's something that you're going to have to deal with. There's always going to be Christians who seem to be analyzing your every move, evaluating your spirituality. Christians who behave as if they're God's gift of theology and Bible knowledge, and they run around the church and they correct everyone doctrinally. Creates a lot of problems. Don't have that spirit. I was at an event recently, and I heard some young guys. I was just listening in, and... They they were talking, they were bashing their pastor. Absolutely bashing their, they didn't know who I was. And so I just, I was, I kept listening. It wasn't me, it was their pastor. (laughs) But one of these guys was saying, you know, the pastor just isn't doing it for me anymore. He's not as theologically exact as I need. I need more meat. And I heard them all talking, yeah, we're going to need to go find someplace else. And I thought, oh, please. I wanted to say, why don't you become a pastor and show all the pastors in the community how to do it? Please, bless us with your Bible knowledge. And just how ugly that was. And where all those threads went. I wonder where they all went. And then I got to thinking, you know, I used to be pretty hard on pastors as well until I became one. Be very careful what you criticize. How can you criticize your boss when you never sat in his or her seat? Or a single mom if you're married? Or a person holding down two jobs if you only work one? Or a believer struggling with alcohol if you've never been an alcoholic? Do we sit around and we sit in judgment and look down upon people? Be very careful. There are so many things in people's lives hidden from our view. We lack specific and crucial details. How dare we judge like? And Jesus gives us a very, very strong warning here, doesn't he? He says, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Here's a really good question. Now, as born-again Christians, we're saved. We're going to go to heaven. Our sins have been judged at the cross on Christ. But there is a rewards judgment. There's a Bema seat judgment where we stand before the Lord and receive rewards. When you stand before God on that day, do you want him to judge you in the same way that you've judged others? And he sees how we judge. So be so careful. Don't judge like that. And I think Jesus is telling us in this, in this passage, 
be really careful about judging, you know, at all and getting into things like that. He uses a real funny example to make sure we all know that we all have a bias. He says, verse 3, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Now, that would have brought the house down when Jesus said that. That's a ridiculous scenario. So here's a guy over here. He has a little speck of sawdust in his eye. Splinter. Over here, you got a guy with a two-by-four. A log. A plank. And the guy with the log in his eye is judging the guy with the speck in his eye. The guy with the log in his eye thinks he's qualified to help the guy with the speck in his eye remove the speck. Ridiculous. But Jesus is speaking to the bias that all of us have, folks. We all have it. We all have the tendency to minimize our own faults and elevate the faults of other people. We tend to give little notice or concern for our own issues, and we elevate the issues of others. We tend to be very easy on ourselves. It's been said, faults are like headlights. The other car's headlights always seem more glaring than your own, don't they? It's so much easier for me to see your sin than to see my own sin. And that is a bias. That is something that we all struggle with. And you need to know that. Have you ever met a parent who's too biased over their own kids? Have you ever met that parent who thinks their kid can do no wrong? They're the little angel Everyone else's kids are the devil, but their, their, their kids are just these awesome. When my kids were young, we had some friends come over. They also had young kids. Lindsay was a year and a half. We're sitting on the back porch. She's a year and a half sitting, just looking as cute as she always looks. <laughs> and their three-year-old son was playing with a big yellow metal Tonka truck. And we're all sitting on the porch. This kid picks up the truck, hurls it at Lynn's. And Lynn's barely missed her. It would have really hurt her. We all saw it. We got up. We said something. And the mom says to her son, don't do that. Lindsay hasn't learned how to catch yet. I almost... Tried to see if she knew how to catch yet. <laughs> but, they're, they're, I mean, we get irrational. I mean, we can be so deceived that we say the stupidest things. And we're absolutely blind. Please know that. And it's worse. Many times we project our own sins upon others. One Christian author said, we seem to find it impossible when comparing ourselves with others to be strictly objective and impartial. On the contrary, we have a rosy view of ourselves and a jaundiced view of others. 
Indeed, what we are often doing is seeing our own faults in others and judging them vicariously. That way, we experience the pleasure of self-righteousness without the pain of personal penitence. Oh. Please know this. This is all of our struggle. So what does Jesus tell us to do? When verse 5, hypocrite, he says, remove the plank from your own eye. You know, the, the, the person you should be most concerned about in your walk with Christ, you know who that person should be? The one you see in the mirror. You. You. There is a definite corporate factor to the Christian faith. But the most important factor is your personal one. Christianity is a personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're to personally grow. And you're, and you're to be spending time with the Lord and, and reading the Bible and praying Focused on what you're doing. It's a personal walk. It's personal growth. It's personal assessing. Always bringing yourself before the Lord. You know, some people read the Bible for their spouse. You ever met them? I read this great thing in the Bible. My husband really needs this. My spouse needs this. Read it for yourself. Evaluate yourself. Walk with the Lord and recognize how deceived you can be. That's why David wrote this prayer in Psalm 139. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Do personal business with the Lord. Be focused on yourself. Once a lady had friends over to her house for lunch, and through the window she pointed to her neighbor's dirty house. In a snobby tone, she said, My neighbor's so sloppy. Look at the streaks on his siding. And that's when one of her friends replied, Those streaks aren't on your neighbor's siding. They're on your window. Clean your windows. Take the big log out of your eye. Do personal business with the Lord. Jesus said, then, then, remove the speck out of your brother's eye. See, again, you got to keep this in balance. Jesus is not saying, you know, don't, don't deal with things. You know, because in the church, you are going to meet people that are going to go the wrong direction, and you need to call them back. And you're going to meet people that are having a misunderstanding of God's word, and you're going to need to call them back. But you do so with your own windows clean. You do so with humility. 
In fact, I, I think it's interesting that, that Jesus uses the eyeball. Do you like people sticking fingers in your eyeball? Can you imagine how gentle and tender? You know, if, if, you have a, if you have sawdust in your eye, you don't want somebody gouging. You want somebody being very, very tender, gentle, careful. And that's how we should always be. Galatians chapter 6, Paul says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, Therefore is the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, Above all these things, put on love. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4. Above all things, above all things in life, have a fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sin. Think of all the issues that could be washed away. Jesus was gentle. You remember that story in the upper room? It's the night of his arrest. They've entered into the upper room. And they're sitting around the table. And they all have dirty feet. And none of the disciples, it's above them to wash the dirty feet of their disciples. So they went to the table with dirty feet. Jesus got up from the table and did he condemn them? Did he rebuke them? How dare you? Why didn't one of you get up and wash the dirty feet? Jesus put on an apron, got the bucket of water, and went around the table washing the dirty feet. That's so beautiful. Gang, this side of heaven is dirty. There's going to be a lot of people walking around you with dirty feet. You've got dirty feet too. We need to gently correct each other. Be very careful. Now there is another principle concerning judgment and criticism in verse 6. And verse 6 is a heavy verse. Jesus says, do not give what is holy to the dogs. Nor cast your pearls before swine. Did Jesus just refer to some people as dogs and hogs? Yeah, he did. He called a spade a spade. And he did it often. He called Herod that fox. He called the Pharisees and scribes a brood of vipers. Whitewashed tombs. So here he affirms that there are certain human beings who behave like animals. There are. 
They act like pigs who live in the mud and love the mud. Some people act like dogs. Jesus is not referring to the domesticated dogs, you know, the little lap dog in an elegant home. He's speaking of the wild pariah dogs, vagabonds, mongrels, which scavenged in the city's rubbish dumps and could be very dangerous. Listen, some people are vicious, ugly, depraved. And there are some people that you don't throw the pearls and the holy things to. Now, I believe that um, we are to share the gospel with all people. We're to have an attitude of love towards all people. But some people will be unreachable to you. They'll hate you. They won't want anything to do with you. Maybe you've shared the gospel with them several times, and they just... And they just hate you. And Jesus says there comes a point where you say, okay, no more. Jesus told the same thing to his disciples when he sent them out on a two-by-two mission trip. You remember? He said, go into a village, preach the gospel, and those who open their house to you, amen. Those who don't, turn around, shake the dust off your feet, move on. And there are some people that we need to do that with. It's been very rare in my life as a pastor, my work as a pastor over the last 25 years, I can possibly say there's maybe been three or four people that I just, I, they were unreachable, I couldn't reach them. And they were ugly, adamant, and there came a point where I just, I, I can't. You gotta leave the church, you gotta go. It's interesting, though, you, you, you still don't give up on people. Like you pray for them, right? You pray for them, and you pray that maybe somebody else can help them. I met one of those people several years later in a grocery store, and this guy ran at me, and I thought, uh-oh. He, he, he ran and gave me a hug. He was a completely different person. God had raised up a friend in his workplace that was more like him. They related. I guess I was the guy that planted a few seeds. I don't know. But there are some people that are going to be unreachable by you. Now, there are a lot of people in your life that you need to reach out to and minister. Reach out to the ones who are most open. And that's a judgment call. This is such an important passage. It doesn't it bring up a lot of questions? Man, there's a lot of soul searching here, right? There's a lot of things in this passage for us to pray about as individual Christians. And I would encourage you to do that prayer work and evaluate your life, not your spouse, not somebody else at church, but evaluate your life. We are to make tough calls to call people out, but in a very gentle way. Are you in balance there? Jesus does say that we tend to elevate ourselves, you know, minimize our faults, 
and elevate the problems of other people. See that. When do you come to that point where somebody needs to just be left alone? Definite things for us to consider. And so let's close praying about that right now. Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy that you pour out upon us day by day to think of how patient you are with each and every one of us. How gracious, how kind. Lord, I would, I would pray for all of us that you... Um, that you would make us wise to our own biases. That we'd be aware of them, Lord, and that we'd, we'd, we'd go overboard not to judge others from that bias. Lord, I pray that you would give us the right spirit of love and grace as we seek to help others. We would always do so with humility, knowing that we're human. And then, Father, we are just so grateful for the example of your son and and how he would wash the dirty feet. Thank you for your great love and compassion that you pour out upon us each day. And thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for our sins, rising again that we might become children in your family. We love you and we praise you. And help us to live in that balance like you want us to live. In Jesus' name, amen.